Welcome to episode 89 of the Whatnots Review Show, where every week we pick a story and we talk about it. This could be a movie, TV show, anime, manga, comic book, audio drama, all kinds of entertainment. We watch it, read it, listen to it, and then we come back here and we discuss it. My name is Melissa Wilkinson, and I am joined as always by Kyle Springer. Hello. It's me. Hello, Kyle. I'm living in the future. It's 2020 now. <laughs> I am officially a cyberpunk. <laughs> This is the year when all of us become a cyberpunk. Welcome right? to the punkening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, how are you? How's, how did the holidays treat you? They were fine. I got a food processor Ooh. and a Lego kit. So See? just living on you opposite can... ends of the adult child spectrum. You can process d -d 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 data now as a cyberpunk. You can even process food. <laughs> as a kitchen punk sure <laughs> that's my is, aesthetic is that an actual thing like oh i don't know probably punk? i think if you put punk at the end of anything it's real Are like all you speak it into being kitchen punks <laughs> kitchen punks it's <laughs> <laughs> great uh that, that that's good so, so you got some more stuff for your kitchen you got some lego stuff as well uh, yeah. What kind of le Legos? I don't think I've played with Legos on my own, not like playing with like a niece or nephew or like little kid cousin. I don't think I've played with them on my own since I was nine years old. But nowhere my older brother's like, oh, I thought you might like this. And it is a Lego kit of Tony Stark's Iron Man lab. Okay. With all the different Iron Man suits and like the little containers. It is cool. I do like it. I haven't yeah. put it together yet because it's the sort of thing that I know will take me like four hours solid to do. That's good. Like Saturday when you don't have anything else to do, just put on a TV show or like a good movie trilogy or something and just sit down with the Legos. Yeah. It'll keep me from getting stir crazy if I get snowed in. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How about exactly. yourself? Uh, I went out to Cody, Wyoming to visit family. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the very same Cody, Wyoming, where my parents met Kanye West, uh, <laughs> which is kind of amazing because there is no one there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's you, your parents, and a series of tumbleweeds. Yeah, and then Kanye West. Uh, I I did not get to meet Kanye. I don't think he was there, but I got to see the buildings that he was going to be doing all his shenanigans in. Uh, so that's a thing. Yeah. We watched lots of Star Wars stuff. My mom, uh, I think, got Star Wars fever. Who? Uh, she really liked so Solo. I think that one was her favorite. Oh, so, nice. Good for it mom. Good. It was fun. It was fun, though. Uh, but we are not here to talk about uh, Star Wars or Legos. What are we here for, Melissa? It's I a wish mystery this franchise, to me. I wish this franchise did have a Lego set to go with it. You know, it probably does somewhere. Like, even if there's not an official one, somebody out there has made a Lego 221B Baker Street because we are covering today the entire series of the BBC Sherlock Starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. Mm-hmm. I just Googled 
uh, Sherlock Legos. And I see some <laughs> stuff in like images and stuff like that. I see a bunch of stuff for like Legos ideas where they, you can submit your stuff like that. And yeah, they have 221B Baker Street, Sherlock's <sighs> Flat. Yes. Stuff like that. So there you go. It's out there. People want it. The people demand it. <laughs> um, Sherlock. Yes. We picked this one, or I I picked this one because I uh, own like three quarters of the show. Who? Uh, on good old fashioned DVD. Um, Classic. Yeah, my parents got a couple of them for me. I think I bought myself one of them uh back in like 2014 or something when i first found found mm -hmm. this show i was like oh this is good i like this show i'm gonna start buying it because i now have uh i was about to say dependable income but that's debatable <laughs> <laughs> you have debatable income right yeah exactly <laughs> i i had enough money to go out and buy things that i liked uh so mm -hmm. i picked up sherlock and I actually hadn't seen all of this. I had only seen those first three seasons. Ooh. And that was partly why I picked this of the things that you had pitched. I was like, I haven't seen mm. it all. So here we are. Wow. You were missing an important chunk of the story. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was. Uh, what, what's, what's your history with this show? I found this in college because Tumblr, which I imagine sure. is the reason for most people. And I think when I started watching it, season two was just coming out. So I watched season one and two all at once. And then I was waiting for season three. And then I didn't get to season four right away for some reason. I don't know what was up. I think I was like waiting for Took it to hit Netflix. Time. Yeah, because like for the first three seasons... They are the only thing I've ever pirated because I needed to watch them that bad and it was taking too long for them to come to America. <laughs> and I'm sorry. But now I've watched them all legally on Netflix. That's what I want to do for the fourth season. So I waited for it to hit Netflix and then I like lost track of time. So I didn't watch it till like a year after it aired. But I'd escaped okay. being spoiled. I guess Tumblr go. mostly starting to die off by that point helped. I had less reason to go there and look at any spoilers. Yeah, Yahoo. I wasn't finding any bought them by that point and things just started going downhill very fast thanks yahoo <laughs> yeah uh, this was big for me in college i really loved this thing and this was one of the things i remember the most like it was like a high that i rode for several months and then for it to come back for season three i also really loved because there's a wedding episode in season three and that mm -hmm. was like right after my brother got married so I have a timing. big soft spot for that episode in particular. And I there wanted go. to go back and watch this thing. And until like you brought this up in conversation several weeks ago, I had no idea you'd even seen this show. Mm -hmm. But it makes sense because you are a crime guy. Yes. I am a, I, I, I wouldn't say aficionado, but I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like it a lot. I, I don't know. Well, I, I, I feel like I know more than most people just because I watch so much stuff. They're like, oh, yeah. there's a detective show. I'm going to watch that one. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I I don't consider myself an expert on all of that stuff. I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You're just a crime enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> uh, did did your school have like? Uh, crime watchers or something like that what? where they like encourage the kids to like snitch and stuff like that be like you can help stop crime at our school become a snitch sign up here and it I mean that's not exactly what they said but it was like join the crime stoppers and like I don't know anyone that ever did that did, did you guys have that no, no? this is utterly foreign to me we had crossing guards i was one of those <laughs> back in elementary school it was great after um, the whole year of guarding crosses did you get to go to a local baseball game because i think that's what our kids got we got out of class early that was it of just like <sighs> hey if you're a safety guard go do your thing prepare for everyone else and I was like, all right, peace out. Leaving half an hour early. <laughs> and so begins. Yeah. <laughs> so begins your interest in detectives. Crossing yes. guard is like detective level one. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, I, well, I, I was going to say, what did you think? Now that you've seen the last season, but you've already seen the last season, I guess that would only apply to me. I'm like I w- shaking off r- 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 rust here of like, how do we do yeah. said Yeah, we podcast? gotta get back in a rhythm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, so what did you think? I really liked watching all of this for another time around because I watched season four mm-hmm. two years ago. Okay. And I think it had been a while since I watched the previous seasons prior to that. It was just like, oh, I'll pick it up. I'll, I remember everything that happened. So it had been a while since I was like in Sherlock. And I watched all of these really quickly. Like season three and season four, I both marathoned like one night each. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I did for New Year's Eve. Like I just stayed in and I just watched all of series three of Sherlock. So I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good night. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to come up with anything better than this. That's kind of what I did, too. Mm -hmm. And I'll say that the first time I saw season four, like I liked it fine, but it felt kind of off to me. And I like it a lot better watching everything in such a short time span now. I think season four, like it works better on repeat viewings. Okay, Because this is my first time. Like I mentioned, watching season four. Yeah, I don't know if I like season four. I it's it takes big swings. It does, and and that's not. I say that I didn't like it, but it it just. I think compared to my memory of that show, and then watching this for the first time, it was like, huh, not what I expected. Not really what I want from a sherlock show and i figured out why it sits so weird besides like there is a very big plot thing that happens at the end of the season four premiere Mm -hmm. outside of that changing the game the season the first episode of season four feels more like an action movie like it's way more unlike action 
and espionage and more like thriller stuff. Like it's not bad, but it does not really feel like the previous episodes of Sherlock. It's like a whole different genre kind of, Mm -hmm. and it is kind of odd. Yeah. Oh, like not bad, just sort of old jarring. We'll get more into that once we get into spoilers and stuff. But yeah, I, I, I still really enjoy this show. It's yes, it's a delightful show. I, mm. I think it's it's a crime show that's not super dark per se. Yes, there, it has its moments, but I I think there is this dry wit to it mm-hmm. that I don't think is really common in a lot of crime shows that just try and be dark and gritty and murder yeah. and drugs and these are terrible people and stuff like that. And it, it's yeah. it's it's fun. It, it, it's it's it a fun, is fun thing to watch. Even in its darkest hours, it is fun. And so I started trying to watch Elementary several years ago when that first came out, which is the CBS, I think, crime mm-hmm. drama with Johnny Lee Miller as Sherlock Holmes and Lucy Liu as Dr. Joan Watson. Mm-hmm. I started that and I liked them fine. I enjoyed their partnership, but there was too much of, now let's talk to the victim's family. And that burned me out real quick. I'm like, this is too, oh, kind of, this is a bummer every week. Like, this isn't as fun. And the nice thing in its own weird way about BBC Sherlock and how kind of like cold and calculating he is, is that you never have those heart to hearts with the victim's family. Yeah. That stuff is all gone, which I think is actually perfect for me. So if you get bummed out on too much murder, this is like removed from it in a way that like the characters within the story are like, it's kind of like they look at Sherlock and he's kind of cold, but like for the viewer, it's like we're far enough away from like all the repercussions of these crimes that it's, it feels more fun. It is easier to take. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Let's do kind of brief synopsis. I, I, th- I yeah. think most people know the, general idea of sherlock holmes the platonic idea of sherlock yes uh, and dr watson Mm -hmm. uh but yeah what's what's the kind of general synopsis of this version this is set in modern day london and by modern day i mean between the years of 2010 and 2016 so the show's almost 10 years old now it's an interesting piece of Man, the past decade's 2016. history. So long ago. Yeah. The distant <laughs> <Yeah>. ancient past. <laughs> <laughs> so it's said in modern times, there's texting. The Holmes and Watson have a blog. They also don't call each other Holmes and Watson. It is Sherlock and John. It's modern. Mm-hmm. It's casual. They're all on first name basis with each other. And John is a... Uh, He's an Afghanistan war veteran and he was an army doctor and he comes back to London and he doesn't know what to do with himself. And he runs into Sherlock, who's like, I, I want a flat here in London. I want to feel the pulse of the city. Yep. I'm here to solve crimes. You, you're, you're moving in with me. Like he's just decided the whole thing. Then John just falls into this. Like he doesn't think this is what he's looking for. But he realizes I miss action. 
Like mm-hmm. I need some sort of a thrill in my life. I need a chase. And so he kind of also rides this crime solving high with Sherlock who it's supposed to be like a literal high replacement for because he has had drug problems. Yep. Like he's even trying to quit smoking in one episode and it is a big deal. He's trying to, you know, crimes are everything. And he's also trying to make crimes as substitution for everything else that he thinks he might need to live with. And they just solve modern day crimes and Sherlock's older brother who works for the government is there to keep an eye on them. They have a cute uh, housekeeper. Not not their housekeeper. She's their landlord. And she just wanders in and out making tea. And she says, I'm not your I'm housekeeper, guys. Lady. Remember that. <laughs> I'm not your housekeeper. Don't forget. Here's some cookies. And there's a, a local medical examiner who's great. Like, there's all these orbiting side characters that are on their side. In addition to the big villains. Like, you've heard of Moriarty, probably. He's like the Joker to Sherlock's Batman. And there's other really cool episodic or mini arc villains that pop up throughout the series. It's good stuff. And they do make a lot of references to the original works. uh, Yes. The the, the Sherlock Holmes books uh, that were written way, way, way back in the day. Uh, So, yeah, it's good. It's fun. It's enjoyable. I definitely recommend it. It's all on Netflix. They mm-hmm. even have a couple kind of behind the scenes making of yeah. documentaries. I watched one of those. Things. Uh, I, sk- I skipped them, but I tried one. It's it's interesting enough. Um, cool. I think that's about it. Let's do a little bit of housekeeping, and then we'll get mm-hmm. into spoilers. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been podcasting here at the Whatnots for four whole years. That's yep. pretty crazy. Um, we just recorded a four-year anniversary retrospective celebration, mm-hmm. uh, so you guys should go check that out. I'm actually going to be editing it all tonight after we're done recording this, but it will be up on our website uh, shortly before this goes live. So if you are watching this or listening to this on your podcasting platform of choice, uh, it will already be up. Go check it out on our website thewhatnots.com. We have a bunch of brand new announcements uh, that Mm -hmm. we make on that four-year anniversary retrospective. So go check it out. And it's a lot of fun. We had some stuff to drink. It was me. It was Melissa. It was Ignacio. It it was Mick. Uh, We had a lot of fun. A lot of cool Mm -hmm. cool things to go check out. That being said, if you like what we do, patreon.com slash thewhatnots is where you can support us for as little as $1 a month, uh, you guys can get access to the live streams of this show, which we do on Twitch. Uh, I mean, uh, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have exclusive content. And we also want to give a big shout out to our patrons at the $5 tier. So thank you, Sam. And thank you, Christine, for helping us out. Uh, of, co- of course, thanks to all of our patrons. Uh, but special shout out to Sam and Christine. Thank you. you. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if my spoiler alert thing will work. Yeah. There we Hmm? go. (laughs) We are officially in spoiler territory, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Let's let's dive right in. And I think I kind of want to get the negative stuff out of the way. Okay. Um, Because it's not not much, but it's like I... 
I think it's a pretty obvious negative thing and is mm-hmm. kind of why I'm like, I didn't really like that last season. I want Sherlock to be a detective. Yeah. I don't want him to be a super spy or an action <laughs> hero. Yeah. I I want him solving crimes in his hometown. Um and you 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 don't see much of him being the super spy. Mhm. But there are episodes where that's where he is and then he needs to return to then solve a crime and there's a couple episodes uh in season three and four where like you said it's more action oriented and that's not what i want sherlock doing yeah i didn't think deduction yeah deduce things (laughs) come on i didn't think about it like that but it does make sense i do kind of like that he has become such a prolific detective that his brother Mycroft and the rest of the British government look at him and they know that he is like a tool that when pressed, they may call on him to use him for certain things. Mm-hmm. I like that he's gained that much renown that he is like a government asset. Right. But yeah, Which when he makes does sense, these, right? Mm, when he does these international missions, like where he is, like after he fakes his death or what he's going to do uh, after he takes off on the plane at the end of season three, or like all the Mm -hmm. stuff with Mary at the beginning of season four. Like it's, oh, it does. It's missing that London aspect to it. And you're right. Like Sherlock loves London. Maybe not in a traditional way that like, I love my hometown, but like he understands London. Like that is his home like he understands he calls it how his it home is. turf at, at one yes. point he's like we need to go back to london and have them do their thing there because that's my home turf i know it yeah so like he is having a better time every time he's in london so i think that stuff is more enjoyable and i do like oh kind of that little loop that they can run where we can run into all the supporting characters like if we're out doing international espionage molly isn't going to be there yeah yeah because i it's and that's not to say that the mysteries and the mm-hmm. crimes that they had from episode to episode weren't interesting they yeah. were really good but i felt like the ones that were more action oriented or weren't necessarily in his hometown were more of well i could see this in any show like this doesn't need to be sherlock and watson it can mm-hmm. just be any detective. Whereas yeah. something that is in 221B Baker Street and the whole thing takes place there or down down the street at the cafe and they're they're trying mm-hmm. to think of how they can solve this thing of what is so uniquely London mm-hmm. that like I that's the key. Oh, a cab driver like yeah. like the ones that they, they they have there and it's just like yeah that's that that's the stuff that i like mm-hmm. so yeah like the the agra stuff in uh the six thatchers which is the first episode of series four like it's it's good but it does just sort of feel like mm-hmm. an action thriller with yeah. the sherlock characters in it i love other stuff in that episode like the beginning part of it 
where they find that burned skeleton in the car and it's like this boy isn't even supposed to be here and Sherlock figures out that he put on one of those like car seat costumes to jump out and surprise his dad for his birthday and then he has a seizure and dies and nobody found him for a week until a car crashed into his car sitting in his parents driveway and that's when they find his burned corpse like that is that's something like I didn't remember series four very much. I think as I watched it all pretty close together, mm-hmm. I, I think I was stressed about s- other stuff in life at that time. So Finals, it didn't. Something like that. Yeah. Well, it was out of college. Oh. I think it was like around the holidays and I had holiday stress or something. But like it didn't stick with me. But that did. That is such an interesting puzzle. And it's so emotionally haunting. Like, yeah, your son's corpse has just been sitting in your driveway for a for week. A week. And you had no idea. Like, it's so tragic, but in a really pleasing way, kind Mm -hmm. of. Like, that part of that episode is good. But then it gets, like, with the Agra stuff, again, like, there's nothing wrong with it. It just has a different feel than the other stuff around it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty much it. Even the final episode... Where it's more mm-hmm. of like a the uh, the inmates have t- taken over the asylum and Sherlock is now trapped inside this island somewhere on yeah. the planet, and it, it, it it's like it's it's no longer logic puzzles, really. It's more of emotional puzzles. Of like, well, do I kill this person or that per her harson? I don't want to kill anyone, so what do I do? I have to pick. And, it's and just I like, think well, that's that's not. I think that a is story. It makes sense though, because that is what Iris wants to test him on, because she's got a far greater logical mind than he does, but emotion she does not understand. And you come to see that what an emotional person Sherlock really is and who he's become over these past couple of years and how he is more aware and he is more mm-hmm. caring in more overt ways. And like, you just watch his relationship with Molly from I'm just here to use your lab and I barely know you exist. And you're really here to just show me dead bodies that I can run experiments on and like, mm-hmm. go get me coffee or something from the vending machine to the end of the series where he's like, Oh no. Oh, I have to do everything possible to save Molly Hooper because I love her, but I don't really get that I love her and I have to tell her that and it feels weird and I know she loves me back kind of, but I don't want to make her say it because I know she doesn't want to say it. Like it's so nuanced and it's so like fragile of an experience for both (laughs) of them. I, I agree that the final episode the conflicts in it are very different than the conflicts we've seen in the preceding episodes. So it is odd. Like I felt it was really odd the first time I watched it, but I like it better now because I can see that for as unusual as everything is, it does tie back to things like watching the whole series compressed like this gave it a more unified feeling that I didn't have before. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, I I think my dad may have read me a Sherlock Holmes story way back in the in the, in the day. Mm-hmm. I I don't have I don't really have a familiarity with the books, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know how much 
each book is like a sequel or a continuation of the last one. I know I, there's a couple that do tie in. I, mm-hmm. cause I, I have a vague memory of one being like, oh, he actually did fake his d- 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 death at one point. I, I could be com- com- completely wrong. But all that goes to say is, is, is like I, I feel like books like that, whether it's mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes or Charlie Chan or whoever else, it's mm-hmm. a, from mystery to mystery, you don't get very much character development in mm-hmm. in the detective or in the surrounding characters that you, that 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 you know it's kind of like the sitcom thing where by the yeah. end of the e- episode it all just gets reset back whereas this show does not and i think mm-hmm. that's why the end of the show though maybe visually odd it is emotionally exactly what you want mm-hmm. so that's why i think at least the finale works because yeah like like you said like he's now having to kind of confront molly and deal with these emotions that he's kind of tried to not do with and you m- m- mentioned that the fact that you thought he was in love with her I don't know if I uh, agree oh, with oh, that. Oh no, he's he's not in love with well, her, but he does love he has, her. And I Right. He has a love for her as a like, "Hey, you're one of my best friends and I actually do need you." Yeah, and like he feels like she is one of the people in his life who he has truly done wrong by. Right. And who he is really working on in all these various ways to Try and make amends with. Try and actively treat better. Yeah, but just to to see him do that, mm. and then it happens, and it they kind of get the rolled the the rug pulled out from underneath them, mm-hmm. and he just he starts dis- destroying this coffin that's there, and that's like the first real emotional outbreak that we've seen Sherlock do he's 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 done them in his own ways but they've always seemed very cold and impersonal Mm -hmm. and this is the first one I felt like he just let go Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and even like that was neat other like emotional uh, output from him like there is so much true, sincere emotion in the wedding speech he gives for John and Mary, but it is something yeah. he has written out and rehearsed, and it is proper, and it is well-spoken, and this is how he chooses to display his feelings. That is raw. That is, you have gone over, out for one of the people in my life that I am the most protective of, who I know needs this protection from me because I owe her that because I have really screwed things up in the past and I can't screw this up anymore. Yeah, exactly. Well, there you go. That's all the negative stuff that I want to say about <laughs> I, the show. Besides I will that, say I've, I really like I've it. been thinking like, what is the culture's perspective on the show? Looking back at it a couple years after it's ended Especially coming from like, oh, I learned about it from Tumblr, where it was huge. Mm-hmm. I don't know what how big it is in the general world. <laughs> I don't know how many average people you talk to. I think most of them know what it was. 
because, you know, especially Benedict Cumberbatch has become a more successful, like, actor who's in a lot of different things. And, you know, mm. that this is the thing that made him big. So I think people recognize it by name. But I'm not sure, like, how, how many of the average person have watched this thing and what do they think about it? It was also right on the start of when TV channels or streaming services re- really started to have, like, this is our our prestige show yeah yes um i mean the walking dead was already out they had some stuff they were one of the first ones netflix had their one or two things that were 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 like these Mm. are the things you need to watch house of cards if you're not watching that Mm. who are you right now it it, it's like sorry you watched all of that with kevin spacey (laughs) sorry jeez um but a game of thrones i think was in maybe season two or three around that time so it it, it was <sighs> big and starting to get big i no. don't remember exactly when it it was you guys will know um i think game of thrones also came out in like 2010 yeah yeah it was it was approximately kind of around there around there so it it had already started picking up steam but now you see so many other channels tr- trying to do something like that, where it's like, we're going to have our normal pro programming that you know us for, but we're going to have one that's going to be our darling. <laughs> like, this, this is going to be <laughs> yes. the show that you need mm. to get showtime for, you, why you need yeah. to watch FX. You know, mm. here it is. Um, so it, 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 it was... One of those shows, I think, of like, oh, you need to go watch Sherlock. But, but again, it was at the start of that stuff where I don't think yeah. everyone had caught on to like, oh, there are there is stuff out there that's maybe even not on American television that you mm-hmm. need to go watch. Yeah, it is kind of on this cusp of being like a very big cult hit or a very small mainstream hit. Yeah. It it occupies this kind of odd space, especially given the fact that its schedule is we do three hour and a half long episodes every two years. <laughs> it is a strange schedule. It was schedule a nightmare that... of a wait. It was like Oh, it was. Yes. Cause I I I, I think I caught up shortly after or maybe right when season two hit Netflix, mm-hmm. uh, and which is the one at the the end of season two, Sherlock kills himself, and it's like, wait, <laughs> wh- but wait, he's alive at the end. How? Yeah. What's going on? I have to wait two years for this. Right, right. <sighs> I lived that. Yes, I was in college, and I didn't figure. Like, I must have been. Maybe I was a junior. I don't know. And I didn't find out how, how he did it till two years later when I am now out of college and I have a job. Yeah. I have a career. I'm a career woman. And now I learn what happens to Sherlock. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was wild. And then I remember watching season three and just being so excited. Like, I can finally figure out how. How mm-hmm. he did, did this. And on, on top of the, the two-year wait, it was also like never a sure thing that they were doing more until sometime after. Like I, I remember season two ended and it was like, well, they haven't renewed it yet. <laughs> this could be it, guys. 
<laughs> or like they were just being real cagey about it and like not telling you, oh yeah, there is another season until they'd already like had the whole thing written and like knew exactly when it was being released. Yeah, written and at least approved. Mm. A- a- like, okay, you guys have good ideas for this next one. Let's go with those. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like a monkey did it or something like that. Well, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, I'd say that the the drawbacks to Sherlock, like what I've been thinking about is like for the people I know that have watched it, why it might not be liked is the show is very clever and it knows how clever it is. And sometimes it feels a little pretentious. <laughs> It's like, yes, we know, we get it. Like, that's a secret keyword in Latin. We all, they all know Latin. Okay, we've got it. Yeah. And the stuff between John and Sherlock, where John's like, I'm, he's not my boyfriend. I'm not gay. I got everyone. Hello. I am not gay. Please stop presuming this. Everybody's doing this. Here we are in 2020. If I'm not mistaken, there was something. What is it? A show that Stephen Moffat is I don't know how to say his last name. That he's, yeah, that he's doing now, and something similar happened. I, I saw it on know. Twitter, just something of of like, oh, here's a character that they're like, like subtext is the, 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 there that maybe they're mm-hmm. bisexual, but he like refuses to actually say that they're bisexual, and it's just like, mm-hmm. All right, dude, like. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. You've, but, been, you've and, been teasing us with this stuff nonstop <laughs> in all of your shows. Why are you so scared just of of gay people? I, I really like the relationship between John and Sherlock, and I like those nuances. And I like that they have this weird gray area that is beyond a friendship and isn't quite a couple, but they are definitely a pair. They are loosely partners of some kind in some, like, deep emotional platonic way. They always say, like, business partners, you have to, it's kind of like a marriage. Like, you have that stuff, right? So there is that. But then, yeah, they're also just good friends on Mm. top of that. So maybe they're just just guys being pals. (laughs) I think the thing of just saying, like, please don't assume that he is not my boyfriend was, like, a joke that was like popular around this time. Like that was a thing that shows were doing. And I think that joke has just, it's not making fun of anything. Like the only person that's making fun of is John just like, Oh, here we go again. Okay. I got to keep finding out ways to say this over and over again. Why does this keep happening to me? Like it's the only joke is on John and his like frustration. All right, here we go again. And I think that just that as a form of joke has just sort of aged over the past handful yeah. of years, we're not getting anything out of it. And it's, it is looking back like a handful of instances. I think on the whole, I do still like their relationship quite a lot. I'd like more times where they do stop and talk about themselves, where they are a little bit more open, where John like does seriously ask, why do people think we're a couple? It, should we behave, be behaving any different? Do I want to behave any different around you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good though. Yeah. A l- I, lot of fun. Did it did is. you have a favorite episode? That's what I want to know. Ugh. I love uh the Reichenbach Fall. 
I love all of series three. Like I said, I think the wedding episode is one of the strongest ones. It's and I really love how good one. Yeah. I love how much that goes back and forth in time. Mm-hmm. Like that has like so many nesting flashbacks in on itself. <laughs> and like, I know how it goes cause I've seen it enough times, but I watched some of this series with my roommate who'd never seen any of Sherlock before. She's a big Doctor Who fan. She likes Supernatural. She like uh, she likes other fandom things that are kind of on the caliber of Sherlock, and she was sure. familiar with it, and people have been telling her to watch it, but she hadn't watched it yet. So she sat down and gave it a try for the first time, and she was having a little trouble like, wait, when are we? How how long has this flashback been going? Are we going back to the wedding speech? How long has the speech been going on for? I think on your first watch, it is a lot to take in, but like on repeat viewings... Oh, just sort of mapping the whole thing out in your head is pretty fun. Yeah. Once and once you kind of figure out what's going on with that one, it's a really good one. But it's it's a it's the same thing that Sherlock does that you you can see in like episode one or mm-hmm. uh, I mean they're just throughout the show where he's like looking at stuff and all the text is coming up to, yes. to show you what he's n- noticing. Mm-hmm. Um. Like it, it does that in a very different way in in that one, and I think because mm-hmm. that was the thing of like, all right, if that's your conceit, if, if that's the whole uh, way you're gonna help us plebes figure out what <laughs> Sherlock is thinking, that's great, but that can get annoying really fast. Like that's your one gimmick of uh, okay, there's text pop- popping up on screen to explain what is happening there um but it's kind of reversed in that one where he's like all right it's someone in this room i don't is the victim yes but everyone's alive (laughs) someone is going to be a victim yes who who is going to be the victim and i think that was a good way to kind of flip that gimmick on its head and be like let's do it a little bit differently this time it was fun you know what else i realized about that episode watching it now the victim to be in that episode that um Mm -hmm. that uh army general Mm -hmm. that's the doctor from the terror remember we were watching the terror and i'm like i feel like i've seen this guy before yeah you're right (laughs) interesting like oh it's him it was the guy who set himself on fire yeah yeah (laughs) um yeah and then he had burns on his face in this one yeah exactly same person (laughs) my mind just exploded okay um yeah that's a good one i think my favorite Mm -hmm. is the like special one the one where they did the the uh time period piece back in the day like this is original sherlock and dr watson (laughs) in the 1800s um that was a fun one that one was fantastic Mm -hmm. um that that I, i think what stood out to me is that yes they instead of making it a modern day episode this i think was was that officially their christmas special 
It's so the I think the way that BBC does things is that their shows, some of their shows will have a big special episode on Christmas. And I think all of them are at least slightly Christmas themed. Like I think okay, over that the one span took place of time during the holiday or like that's when in modern day times. That's oh, yeah, when that it one is Christmas. It is like place. just after the holidays in modern times. And I think across the time that is spanned within the Victorian story, I think it it does pass through Christmas. Okay. So it's not overtly a holiday episode. Anyways. Just, just a little yeah. bit. Just enough so that the BBC can air it on Christmas. So I hadn't seen that one because that was not included in the DVD that I had, which I mm-hmm. think came out shortly after they all originally aired. Uh, and so it was the, like, year or so later on when they released, like, hey, here's a special one to hold you over until mm-hmm. season four. Um, but what I really liked about that one is that Yes, they, instead of making it a modern day one, they're like, you know what? We're going to take this opportunity to make it a period piece. Uh, We're going to set this back in the time period that that the original Sherlock Holmes books were written in. Mm -hmm. uh, And and when we're going to do it that way. But at the same time, it's not. It's taking place in modern day times, and it's all in yeah. Sherlock's mind palace. And I th- dug this is that just, a lot. Yeah, it's like I, the first hint you have at th- at that, I I I, I think is, it, it's not the like, did you miss me, thing that Moriarty mm. was like, wait, he died and he's coming back, and who knows what's happening here? But it was along those l- l- lines of. Wait a minute, that happened in the modern day times in an episode that I saw in season three. And mm-hmm. there, it seems like something like that happened in this continuity as well. So does that, huh, interesting. So is this just an alternate reality? No, I don't know. And it was this weird like parallel mirror of, of mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just like this funhouse mirror. It's like, huh. Okay, so we're still developing the characters, even though it's this, like, one-shot episode. Yeah. I really like that. Because I was expecting this to be a one-shot, out-of-continuity, an entirely, like, 90-minute period piece story. And instead, it's wrapped up in, like... Like Sherlock, he's in his mind palace and he's on all these drugs and he keeps and part of it is like visualizations he's giving himself purposefully as a mental Mm -hmm. tool. And part of it is hallucinations. And it's kind of fuzzy. What is what? And he gets like it's like Inception, like he's gone so many layers deep. He doesn't know how to pull himself back out. (laughs) And at the end, like all of it is supposed to support the story that is overarching between series three and series four yeah like and and then once you kind of figure it out that oh he's he's in his mind palace the then you kind of know that yeah it's like oh okay so he is trying to figure things out in his own way uh Mm. and yeah it's it's just this like really cool metaphor for everything that is happening I think that is this show's times. greatest strength is how much it puts metaphor to work, especially mm-hmm. visual metaphor, 
because there are all these mind palaces and all of these visualizations that he does. And the show even like uses that against you where you were, it's showing you something and you're under the understanding that this is completely real, like uh, Magnuson's mind palace. Like you see him going into the, it's talked about like he has a vault. He's this newspaper magnate and he has this vault of all of this information and all of these records. And he's got secrets on everybody important in the world. And we keep seeing him go down and look at things in this library and open books and watch videos. And then at the end, he's like, oh, there is no physical vault. That's all up here. That's all in my head. That's all a mind palace. And then you realize everything you've been seeing was a metaphor. Or like in the last episode where you find out everything with the girl on the plane is a metaphor. That's not a real cut. So there's a lot of this unreliable narrator and visualizations of things that are not real, but are presented like they are real. Oh, like it kind of keeps you on your toes, but it never goes so far that it's like, I'm confused. What was that? Yeah, I, I, I do. I know I do have to say that I did think something was very, very fishy with the airplane in the very last episode. I was like, this makes no sense. How mm-hmm. is everyone p- passed out except one person? That, yeah, there's 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 no way unless so, mm. so someone else is on the plane and somehow made it happen. But it's like you can't poison them all unless it's a gas and then the little girl would have it to, I, was, I was like all right you know those ringtones that were supposedly so high teachers yeah. couldn't hear them yeah <laughs> it's Old like one of them, them but it's a knockout gas yeah yeah does not affect children who knows um yeah i so i i thought that was a really strong one uh did you have a favorite villain? Oh, I don't like a lot of them are really good. I I think that the second to last episode, the lying detective, that's a great one. That one is like one of my other favorites, like upon rewatch. Mm-hmm. Like I love that it is this like it's a great mystery. It's this darling. It's this guy who's like kind of this big pop culture personality, like, you know, kind of a a jack of all trades, like show host, you know, kind of just personality Mm -hmm. sort of guy, show business guy. And he's like beloved by England. He's on everything. He's very, very charitable and sincere and he loves people. And he's, you know, there's a whole wing of a hospital that he's sponsored. And then he's like, yeah, sometimes I just feel like killing somebody anyone yeah (laughs) and it's all about sherlock trying to prove that this man with all of the resources and all of the people on his side in the whole country is a serial killer and the guy just keeps flipping it on his head and like he tricks sherlock into like oh yeah i'm a serial killer all right try my new brand of breakfast cereals extra fortified with vitamins for kids it's all been a publicity stunt sherlock me and him are in on it and sherlock's like no real killer murderer here look (laughs) yeah yeah that 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 was a good one but that was also one of the ones i felt it was like this doesn't need to be sherlock and Watson, like it, it can be anyone else. I was like, go back home, go, go home. They are home. That's su- that's I mean, maybe one of the most London stories. Yeah, there's just something. 
maybe this is like a personal connotation of Sherlock uh-huh. Holmes for me, but I I feel like those stories are very claustrophobic, or they should be, in mm-hmm. the sense that I I don't want them to go out to like big fancy things. I want okay. most of it to take place in their apartment or in the police station or at the crime scene and he's figuring out in like those three locations and it's this he's like he's on tv he's traveling to a hospital there's like (laughs) famous people and all this stuff and i'm Mm -hmm. just like this like it doesn't feel like a sherlock holmes story so does something like Hound of the Baskerville, does that work more for you in terms of how it uses its settings? It That, that one did, I think, for mm-hmm. a different reason, though, because mm-hmm. I know that that is a famous Sherlock Holmes story. Yeah, it does have that on its side. this was a different twist on that. Like mm-hmm. I, the, the, the two that I recognized by name were was the study in pink, which is based mm-hmm. off a study in scarlet and then mm-hmm. pounds of, of, of Baskerville. Uh, yeah. I'm sure there are more of them. And I, I feel like all of them are based off of um, Sherlock stories, but I could be wrong. I think but. the big ones are those. I think a scandal in Belgravia is also taken from something. And of course, the Reichenbach fall is. Straight out of Sherlock. If you've seen the second Robert Downey Jr. movie, that is also him and Moriarty fighting on a waterfall. I, I don't remember if I saw the second one. I actually didn't like the the first one of the Robert Downey mm-hmm. Jr. ones, and I think I'm like the only person that doesn't like that film. I like him. Oh. I, <laughs> so the thing with me is, and I don't know how accurate this was, when yeah. I first really started getting into comics, I, uh-huh. I I did the kind of stereotypical things of like, what are the best graphic novels that I should read? <laughs> and of course, Alan Moore's Watchmen comes up and then it's yeah. like, oh yeah, Alan Moore is often considered like the best comic book author. Like you should mm-hmm. check out more of his stuff. So I was like, all right, well, I really like the movie V for Vendetta. I'll I'll read that book, uh, and then I I really liked that that book, uh, and then I read From Hell after that, which was fantastic. But I don't know if I understood it ex- exactly. The art is okay. very scratchy. Uh, it's kind of hard to p- 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 parse out exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is also kind of a murder mystery. It's all about Jack. The 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 the, the hmm. ripper and the conspiracies around that, um, and I'm pretty sure the plot of that book is the same that's in the plot of that first Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock so, Holmes like Mark movie. Strong like, is in it, and there's like a secret underground organization, and and it was the thing where like the the, the murders are on on the maps make a pentagon oh, yeah. thing, yeah. and I was just like. This is the plot to From Hell. This is the Sherlock Holmes story. Call it From Hell. What is this? I feel ripped off. So that's why I didn't like that one. And I was like, I, I'm, I I'm grumpy and not going to go see the second one. So I did not. But yeah. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. It's good. What was I going to ask? Oh, uh, you, you, mm. I was, uh, we were talking about favorite 
villains. Yes. Which one's yours? I like the woman. The woman. I think she was fantastic. What a legend. Uh, That I, I think that's the interesting thing that well how, how do i explain this i think a lot of people mm-hmm. are very tired of seeing movies and or tv shows where the hero goes up against someone who is exactly like them okay yeah right iron man one he fights another person in an <laughs> iron suit Iron Man 2, he kind of fights someone in another iron suit, right? How many Iron more Man Robert th- Downey like, Jr. movies can we bring up tonight? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it, as much as I like the earlier episodes of Sherlock, mm-hmm. episode one is that exact formula where he fights another high-functioning social sociopath right Mm -hmm. someone who you know is smart and can come up with this way to trick people or get information out of them or deduce Mm -hmm. the the right thing like oh if i say these certain things they'll pick the wrong pill that way i'll get the pill every single time the the right one that will leave me alive I cannot choose the wine in front of me. And yeah, and and the woman, she's she's not necessarily smart. She's just a normal person. I mean, she she is smart. Don't don't get don't get me wrong. But But she's she's not not a high functioning sociopath. Yeah, she's not a genius. She's just she's just a woman who knows how powerful she is. Yeah, that's that's enough of a match for Sherlock mm-hmm. and I'm like that is great I love this yeah she's just extremely capable at knowing who she is and what her strengths are mm-hmm. and identifying these weaknesses in other people like she's very strategic mm-hmm. about what she's doing I do I do love that episode I love that she reads on Sherlock immediately like sex isn't something you get it's something yeah. you have you were like intrigued by but also intimidated by and nothing else that sherlock is intrigued by also intimidates him but this does and so she's like the most in like the thing i can do to put him so off his game he's gonna tumble and fall right into my plans it's like i'm just gonna walk out naked and then what is he going to do yeah she's like i know he's scared of me but i also know he's going to look at me and i have made the key code to my safe my measurements and i know he will look at me close enough and he's smart enough to figure it out yeah he can see what my measurements are yeah no she i like that twist so as a dominatrix like she Mm. like she her whole thing is powered dynamics yes Uh, and she needs to figure out what her clients are like needing or wanting and and mm-hmm. somehow exploit that somehow take it away from them so that she's mm-hmm. the one that has the power and that's what she does with sherlock yes too, of, of of 
I, I don't know if she even knew that he could deduce all of the, that, that, you know, that stuff to an exact uh, mm. thing besides of like, oh, you're seeing me naked. You can at least figure out my measurements and you're smart enough to, to know it's like all of the, the that will be the code to my safe, which mm-hmm. does X, mm-hmm. Y and Z, you know, but like, I don't know if she knew that he bases a lot of his deductions on what people are wearing of just like yeah this is the hair that i see on their their clothes or the tan lines that i see based off what they're wearing or their style or how expensive mm-hmm. their their clothes are and so in one way it's it's her taking all of that away from him you don't get mm-hmm. to deduce anything ab- no. about me which you we then see that one visual of he's like looking at her and it's just question marks it's like yeah there's nothing there's nothing you're wearing nothing i can't do this but at the same time she is Giving him exactly what he needs to figure everything out. Yes. That's just like genius. So good. Like so she, smart. Exactly. She this. knows all of his weaknesses and all of his strengths. So she's like, I will play him. But I also uh-huh. know he will get this out of me. Like, I know he's smart enough to do this. I really like the relationship and how she does keep. Like, she's very sincerely fond of him. And he is of her, but he knows less what to do with it. Yeah. And I like that she just keeps texting him and he doesn't, he reads them, doesn't respond except for like once a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, like, she, she knows that she is in control mm-hmm. the whole time. Yeah. And, and, and that's what, 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 what I love about her character. I went through my old Tumblr, all the posts I tagged under Sherlock and I found a really interesting quote from Stephen Moffat, I think, that mm-hmm. said, let me give me a second. Let me bring this up. Sure. I do not have a random Sherlock quote to pull okay. up out of my head there. But this is from Stephen Moffat. And it says, it's always definitely a love story. What a weirdly sexualized world we live in where you insist they must be having sex as well. Why would they? John isn't wired that way, whatever Sherlock is. Sherlock Holmes is indifferent to sex. So is Irene. She uses sex to get what she wants. John Watson happily is a string of girlfriends. Sex is not really the issue among any of these people. Love is. Infatuation Mm -hmm. is. I think John Watson is infatuated with and fascinated by Sherlock Holmes. I think Sherlock Holmes absolutely relies completely and utterly on John Watson and is devoted to him. I think Sherlock is infatuated to the point that he can barely function around Irene Adler. And Irene Adler isn't initially fascinated by him and then falls for him completely. Thinks there's another person in the world as damaged as I am. How brilliant. Who says any of them are having sex with each other? (laughs) I like that. And that is how I've always read Sherlock as asexual, but like romantically, who knows what he might be up to sometime in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Good stuff. If the show was to come back with a fifth season, because I believe the way they ended it was, well, probably not, but you never know. 
It's like we have not completely shut the door on there ever being any of this again, mm-hmm. but it might not be for a while. What would you like to see out of another season of this show? I want to see them do another thing like <clears throat> that that uh, time period piece. Oh. I, 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 I kind of want them to do a series of those where it, it is them just doing period pieces. Separate universes, just each one is its own standalone <laughs> thing. You just want Sherlock Holmes sliders where it's every different Sherlock AU that, that has ever Sherlock been. Sherlock in the 70s. Give me that. I would You want see the that. one where he's a cowboy, the one where they're in space, the one yeah. where they meet in a coffee shop, the one where they're in high school and they're lab partners. Yeah, that would be sweet. <laughs> I, mean, that, I mean, the high school one wouldn't work because they, they would have to cast different people, but like... <laughs> Right, like I, I, I want those same actors, those same dynamics, just in, yeah, in different time periods. Like, it, what does a medieval Sherlock and Doctor Watson look like? Who that could be interesting. Ah, <sighs> you got a point, and there is something to this show is definitely aware of. Sherlock is this never-ending public domain property that just mm-hmm. keeps looping forever in all of our consciousnesses. Which is I think kind that's of how also... the show ends too. It's just like yes. they're always going to be out there in their chairs, taking on your cases. I think that's also part Superman of like run <laughs> right at the end there. I think that's also part of the joke of John always saying like. He's not my boyfriend. Like, that's because that's in the public consciousness. We're all like, oh, those two are dating, right? Like, as a general world, we're like, Sherlock and Watson, boyfriends? And the show is commentating on, well, that is what everybody thinks, but uh, no, not in this version or many other versions. And I think the joke just kind of doesn't hit that. But Mm -hmm. yeah, the ending of the show for sure. And kind of like all the bits about, like, the joke about the hat. Like, I forget why in the narrative of the show somebody puts the hat on him. I think it's connected to something in the case. But they, then he gets known as... They tried to go outside with, like, out being noticed. I think that is it, yeah. The, the paparazzi. He just needs to just grab a disguise. To yeah. And then he becomes hat detective. One of my favorite moments in the whole series is at the beginning of series three where Sherlock is back alive. He's back from faking his own death. There's a news report like on the BBC and the little Chiron at the bottom says hat detective alive. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Like it's so it's very aware of everything that the Sherlock Holmes legend franchise, you know, Jungian myth has ever been. And that is how the show ends with you have always done this. You will always do this. Like this is, you know, the path always corrects back to you two running around solving crimes. Like you're this fixed point in universal truth. Mm -hmm. I think like an AU series, like that's such a wild idea, but I don't know if it could work for anything, it could work for this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because that's the thing. They don't need to continue a story. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there is nothing. There was not a cliff 
cliffhanger at the end of season four where it was like, oh, we need to, how did he fake his death? Oh my God, <laughs> we need to figure yeah. this out. It was just like, okay, this is good. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. done. We've reached a state of peace. Like they have mm-hmm. reached a, a form of a status quo where we recognize that they are well. They're yeah. out there having adventures and they are well. Which is like, I, I like shows that do that uh, just once a year, we're going to do a certain like special episode. Yeah. Uh, Community did yes. that for a while with their paintball <laughs> episodes. It was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I like I really want Riverdale to do that. We've started to get some shows oh, that yes. do like we do the musical episode once a season. Mm-hmm. Riverdale does that one. Um, but. I would love to see Riverdale do something similar, where it's just like each year there's one story where they just pick a different style and they go for it. One is uh, Afterlife with Archie, and it's the zombie Mm -hmm. apocalypse, but it's all the Archie characters that you know from Riverdale. One is uh, just like the classic look, like you give them like their their old school outfits and all of that mm-hmm. stuff and it's like more like 50s style and stuff like that and they k- k- kind of play on some of that stuff every now and then but it's just like yeah. just go all out just do it and what's funny is that sherlock like Archie holmes meets the, pr- the predator make that happen <laughs> Please do. I need to see CW budget predator. Right. <laughs> What's funny is that Sherlock Holmes is one of those other styles that other shows will do. Mm-hmm. I remember there being so many cartoons when I was a kid that had like Sherlock Holmes, if not like references or gags, like there would be that type of an episode, Victorian right. or not. Like, we all know Elementary, My Dear Watson, and The Hat, and 221B Baker Street, like, mm-hmm. Spectre Lestrade, like, all of that is baked into our cultural consciousness from a, a very young age. Yeah. If yeah. there was and another season... Hmm? I was going to say, and, like, even into stuff like Inspector Gadget, yeah. which is literally just a knockoff Sherlock Holmes, except he has all the gadgets of Batman inside him <laughs> of like batman and james bond like what if instead of yeah. having an aston martin that had all of these different things what if all those different things were inside sherlock holmes <laughs> i think my favorite variant on sherlock holmes and this is a very loose one is house yeah yeah that was inspired by you know we have this cold calculating absolute genius who has to save people's lives all the time, but doesn't get people's lives. And he has this long suffering, you know, more emotionally intelligent best friend that has to put up with him. Yeah. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Who knows? Lots of stuff. If, Um, if, Oh, I was going to say like, what I would like to see out of another season is the part of the show is that Sherlock writes a blog, the science of deduction Ben Watson also writes a blog that's just him telling the tales of him and Sherlock's adventures. And Sherlock has mm-hmm. become, and I don't know how much this plays into other interpretations of the Sherlock Holmes, you know, archetype throughout the years. Sherlock is like a local London celebrity in this version of the story. So I'd be interested to see, like, how does London morph around him 
as he keeps doing this over the years. Because if he's become so popular and him and you know John are telling the stories of how they solved all these cases, is the average population of London getting more cunning? Are they also figuring out their own ways to deduce things? Are there copycats popping up? Mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of saw some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in the fact that they are getting more clients. Yeah. Uh, we also know that time passes, like quite a bit, bit amount of time from when they start to when this uh, ends. Mm-hmm. I, I think is about in real time. Uh, Pretty not, much, not, yeah. Not exactly when each season happens, but yeah. from when it first started to when the show and it is about a, a about the same amount of time. I think that, altogether, probably. Yeah. Um. So it's it's quite a bit. We see some of that stuff, and I, I I think we also get though these long periods of time where oh Sherlock is dead. Oh no, wait, he's super spy in international super spy and all all of this stuff. So I think mm-hmm. just because he's around doesn't necessarily means that he li- lives or leads a very public life that interacts with the mm-hmm. public. And so I like I I st- I still feel like he's just hat detective. Hat detective. <laughs> oh, there are like they do mention that there are like gossip pieces in the yeah. newspapers like about him and his life like and there's the, that um, thing c- 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 club yeah, there's the fan club. There's the, uh, he's dating the maid of honor from, <laughs> from uh, John and Mary's wedding. And he's really dating her because she is the personal assistant to this big crime guy he's trying to get to. And then once he like breaks it off with her, she like turns around and sells everything to the papers. These yeah. wild scandalous tales that she has made up. Like you see one of the headlines is seven times a night in Baker street. He made me wear the hat. And then she's talking to Sherlock and she's like, I wish we could have done it once for real. Yeah. He's yeah. like, ah, what are you going to do? I, there, the the public is aware of the personal lives to some extent and the crime solving lives. And I'd like to see however many years down the road, let's say it's like, you know, 2025, they pull together mm-hmm. another series of the show. You know, that's probably almost a decade within the continuity of the show that John and uh, John and Sherlock have been out there still continuing to solve crimes and blog about them. That's more knowledge getting out to the public. Like, what is the average person like? Who is approaching them? Like, how does the culture of London altogether warp around these two as this big, bright, you know, cosmic star in the middle of the London universe? Exactly. It'd it'd be interesting to find out how it changed all of that stuff. I agree. Mm. I agree. Um, well, if you had to recommend stuff to people who liked this, what might you recommend? I don't know. I've been thinking about this. <laughs> I What I love about the show is there are really neat little twists. Mm-hmm. I think it's witty. I think... Uh, 
the cast of characters is the strongest feature of it. The relationships between them, the way they they grow, the way they kind of recognize and start to overcome these flaws and like be more honest and supportive with each other. And like all the little side characters who just pop up now and again, like um, Bill Wiggins, who's just yeah. in like three episodes. I don't know. The only thing I can think of off the top of my head is, you know, the things I've been mentioned several times throughout this podcast, which are those Dresden Files novels I like. Okay, yeah. Which are about a uh, a private detective in, you know, contemporary Chicago who is a wizard. He is a wizard who works as a private detective and nobody takes him seriously because magic's very hush-hush around there. But he's like, no, I am a wizard. Like, I, you know, you lose your wedding ring. I got a spell. I can find it. Like, come to me. I need the money. And he gets embroiled in all of these deep conspiracies. Like he dies and comes back to life for real at one point. Yep. And he has this, it is also tall, dark haired, spooky man and short, feisty, more by the book, blonde friend who has to put up with him. So it's him and this local police woman that have this long, slow burn romance where they're constantly bickering with each other, but they're an absolutely great team. And then eventually they figure it out and they're like, we should kiss. That's what's this has been missing. And it's got like so many really good side characters that pop in and out. I love any narrative with like, oh, it's that guy again. Mm -hmm. I wish that was a like a category on Netflix for their TV shows. <laughs> Whatever happened to dot dot dot. And then it's like all of the... <laughs> Like, not just for actors I haven't seen in a while, but it's like, do you like shows where there's, like, somebody who's in one episode and then three seasons later, that guy comes back? Welcome. Welcome to your new Netflix <laughs> queue. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we already mentioned Elementary. Yeah. Uh, that that would be, if, 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 if you want more Sherlock Holmes versions, and then there's, of course, the Robert Downey Jr., movies mm -hmm. uh, you guys can go do that stuff if you guys want another british crime drama that is yeah. really good maybe not as uh the, the the main detective isn't as much of a genius but it is it is mm -hmm. more of a focus on like a single detective uh who's maybe a little more emotional uh, yeah i would suggest luther starring oh. Idris elba Yes. That's a great one. Um, the other thing I want to recommend, if you're an anime fan, Detective oh. Conan. <laughs> it's a great... I should have seen this coming. Great series. And it's, oh, can I, can I also recommend the Professor Layton games? Yes, absolutely. The only video games I have ever played? There you go. Um, yeah, so go, go watch the Detective Conan... Uh, anime because it is fantastic. Or go read the manga because uh, it's 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 out there too. Actually, I think I have volume one on my bookshelf back there. Um, but Detective Conan is about this teenage detective who gets tr transformed into a kid, and he's like super genius smart, and he can figure out all of these mysteries and solve them but because he's a kid no one takes him seriously 
And so when he has to s s solve a mystery, he has this watch that can shoot this like sleeping d d dart into his uh, father or his uh, 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 uncle. I'm not sure who, but it like knocks him out and he's like sitting d d down there. And then he has a voice modulator oh to make it seem like his uncle is, ta is talking to him to be like, <laughs> I really know who solved this murder. <laughs> it was this guy. <laughs> but he, it's it's the type of mystery where you can't really solve it yourself. There's no uh -huh. way you can solve this stuff. And so he he will explain. He's like, ah, I figured it out. And then he just has this ridiculous way of 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 like, well, if you didn't know, that tea is actually not hibiscus tea. It's like you didn't. Mentioned the tea once this entire episode. <laughs> How are we supposed to pick up on it? And he just has this ridiculous ex explanation. But it's great. It's fun. It's, so it's called fun. Detective Conan, not Detective. You can solve it also. <laughs> no. No, you can't solve it as well. But uh, it's good. It's mostly mystery of the week. But then there's this mm. like overarching story. That is is there in the background as well so go go check out detective conan it's fun stuff okay melissa yes are you ready for me to make my pitches my first, first ones pitches of, of a new decade what first are we doing how are we gonna ring decade? it in okay i have a comic and two mm -hmm. movies okay um i'll start with the comic I want to read volumes one and two of the death-defying Dr. Mirage. This is published by Valiant Comics, uh, which would be the second comic we have read in the Valiant universe for this show. We read mm -hmm. Quantum and Woody volumes one and two this past year. You guys mm -hmm. can go check that out. Uh, but Doc, the death-defying Dr. Mirage... Death was just the beginning. Dr. Hmm. Mirage talks to the dead, but the only spirit Shan Fong can't find is that of her late husband. Instead, oh. America's favorite semi-retired paranormal investigator is haunted and raw, using her gift to solve homicides and bring peace to the recently bereaved. But when a big-time occultist with a classified military past hires her for a specific job shan discovers a lead that might close the greatest mystery she's ever tackled how to get her husband back that's pitch number one it is written by uh jen van meter uh who has worked on hopeless savages and captain marvel uh and the artist is uh, Roberto De La Torre, who's worked on Daredevil and Age of Apocalypse. Mm. That's pitch number one. Okay. More, more mystery, so Halvin, but this time paranormal. Do so. you know if this is on... Did you mention, and I wasn't listening, is this on Comixology Unlimited? It is on Comixology okay. Unlimited. So that's where you guys can find it and go read that. Pitch number two. I found this on Netflix today. Uh -huh. Oh, why did it open up in a whole new window? I didn't want that. Okay. This is a 
French animated fantasy drama film called I Lost My Body. Oh! It is... Uh, let me see. Let me open this real quick. Doom to doom to doom. The reason why I wanted to put this on there is because... Come on, where is it? <laughs> I guess it's not showing here. According to Netflix, this is uh-huh. by one of the creators of Amelie. Oh, um, okay. I have not seen, but I know that that's a very well-loved um, well-loved film. Mm-hmm. Let's see. This premiered in the International Critics Week section at the 2009 Keynes Film Festival, where it won the Nespresso Grand Prize, beca- becoming the first animated film. Uh, the Nespresso Grand <laughs> Prize! Yep. Becoming the first animated film to do so in the section's history. Um, okay, they don't have a summary, so I'll read part of the plot here. It says, a severed hand. What? Escapes the lab it is being held in and begins a harrowing journey back to its body, belonging to a young man, Naufel, as a boy, Naufel aspired to be a pianist and an astronaut and enjoyed recording his day-to-day life on a tape recorder. After he loses both of his parents in a car accident, he is forced to live with his emotionally distant uncle and his crude cousin. Now, as an adult, Naufel skates by as a pizza delivery man, though he is criticized by his boss for constantly being late. Um... Yeah, it it just it had it had a really hmm. interesting art style. Uh v- very stylized, almost looked like it was rotoscoped. But it's not. Um but yeah, then it was like it's by one of the creators of Amelie and it's about oh, a I see. severed hand. And I was like this sounds weird and I like it. <laughs> So that's pitch number two, directed by Jeremy Clappen. That might be the guy, but his Wikipedia page uh, is not, not, not filled out. That is pitch number two. And then pitch number three mm-hmm. uh, is... A Golden Globe winner. Oh. For 2020, Missing Link. It's an animated film starring oh, Hugh yeah. Jackman, Zoe Saldana, and Zach Galifianakis. I just messed up his last name. Zach Galifianakis. Starring Robert Redford. There you go. Yeah, right. <laughs> just... <laughs> that meme there is great um so let's see uh the film also won the golden globe for best animated feature film uh, making it the first non-computer animated film to win this category and the first non-cgi film to win a golden globe since waltz with bashir i don't 2008 israeli animated war documentary okay cool um yeah 
in 18. 86, Sir Lionel Frost, a struggling inventor of mythical creatures, has continuously searched for different creatures to study and announce their presence in the world, uh, which would allow him to be accepted into the Society of Great Men, which is led by Sir Lionel's rival, rival Lord Piggott Dunsby. <laughs> What a name. <laughs> what a name. Lionel receives a letter acknowledging the presence of a Sasquatch, making a deal with his rival that would allow him to join the society if he proved that the creature was real. Kyle, you know what movie I just watched in my spare time? What's that? Around the World in 80 Days, starring Steve Coogan and Jackie Chan. Okay. I like, I have think ha- I went I to just... go see that film in theaters when it came out. I, like Me and Jack watched it because it seemed like an alternate mirror verse from the Night at the Museum films, which we love. Uh-huh. I don't have time to go into this, but I just watched a Victorian-era children's action fun fantasy film where a man has to do something wild to get into a society. <laughs> I just did this. But this is an American stop-motion animated film by Studio Leica. Studio Leica, who did Paranorman, which we lost. We lost. We did not lose it. We watched it. We yeah, watched exactly. it. It exactly. should not be lost to the world. We watched it for Halloween last year. It is really good. It is a personal favorite of mine. They do. So I do. I work. am curious. I am curious about what Studio Leica is up to. So pitch number one was the death-defying Doctor Mirage. Pitch number two was the French film I Lost My Body, uh, and pitch number three, Missing Link, Golden Globe winner, best animated feature film. I'm intrigued by all of these, but I'm actually going to go with the death-defying Dr. Mirage. Okay. Like, I googled it, and, like, that artwork seems kind of familiar. Like, I think I've seen this in a comic book store before. And I did really like Quantum and Woody when we read that last year. Mm -hmm. And I know these, all the Valiant titles are also in some sort of shared universe. And that's on the opposite end of the tonal spectrum, it seems like, from this title. So I'm curious if there's any at all connection between the two who knows yeah and just the... like a lady who can talk to ghosts but she can't talk to her own dead husband oh that's rough but in a in a way that i like it is rough uh yeah for those of you guys who don't know just a real quick thing on valiant Com- comics they are a comics publisher similar to marvel and dc mm-hmm. in the sense that they focus on superhero comics and they have a shared universe so all of the comics published by valiant take place in the same world they're all c- c- connected and stuff like that but uh some of them are maybe a little more on the fringes but it's also a much smaller more manageable universe so if you're like mm-hmm. i don't know where where to start with marvel because there's so many characters mm-hmm. I, I just don't know what to do valiant only publishes like eight books a month which as opposed to like marvel and dc which do like 60 books a month ish so yeah this is a lot more manageable of like you can read this and if you want 
you can read the entire universe and you won't be overwhelmed. Or you can just pick pick one. Pick mm-hmm. Death Defying Dr. Mirage and stick with that yeah. one. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, so those are both on Comixology Unlimited, and that's what we will pick up for this next week. Mm-hmm. Melissa, where can the people find you online? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyWit. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. Uh, if you are curious, my old Tumblr, I don't do anything on it anymore, but it still exists. So that URL is your least sassy friend. So if you also <laughs> want to go look at my old Sherlock tag that I would update when I was in college, you can be there. There you go. Uh I am at Yo Kyle Springer on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I finally made a couple posts on Instagram, which is like the first time in months. Uh, So you guys should go follow me there. You guys want to keep up to date with our shows. We are at The Whatnots on Twitter. Uh, And again, go check out our website because we got a bunch of cool stuff on our website, including a store. Thewhatnots.com slash store. You guys can go buy some whatnots merch check it out mm-hmm. yes uh that being said let's get out of here we will see you guys next time for episode 90 this has been episode 89 uh, adios bye